CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And now, the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasova, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news newspaper since 1971. Bonus time to Ben Jarofsky show. As I sit here, it is Thursday, September 7th, 2023. Time keeps on ticking, ticking into the future. This conversation is going to be a lot about local politics. Uh, and so I'll just take a little trip down memory lane. Uh, today, sometimes brings a headline. Feds tell Burke's lawyers they don't plan to call Solis at racketeering trial. Folks, there is so much embedded in that headline. In that There's so much history of Chicago and Chicago politics embedded in that headline. You could break it up. The Feds, Burke's lawyers, Solis, racketeering trial. Most Chicagoans are like, they live in this world where, I'm going to say this about most Chicagoans. Most Chicagoans live in a world where they more or less play by the rules, okay? They go about their life, they pay their taxes, they go to work, they coach their teams, et cetera, and so forth. They just try to stay out of trouble. And then they're the people who run our government. And they're not always up to the standards of Chicagoans, to put it mildly. The Burke in that question, of course, is Ed Burke, all-powerful chairman of the Finance Committee for almost 40 years, ladies and gentlemen. He uh, ruled the roost in the Chicago City Council. He was Mayor Daly's handpicked finance chair. Mayor Rahm liked the job Burke was doing so much that he kept him there. It was only after the feds, after the feds indicted Burke on racketeering charges, corruption charges, that uh, he was that Lori Lightfoot dropped him like a hot potato. And actually, she probably got elected because she ran against him, which is so bizarre. Think about that, ladies and gentlemen. You, the people of the city of Chicago, elected Lori Lightfoot as your mayor in part because she distanced herself from Ed Burke, who had been embraced by both Daly and Rahm, two mayors that you eagerly elected. And then they pretended they were so clean and so transparent. They had this corrupt guy running finance. He was running the finance. Every contract came before his committee. 
every TIF deal came before his committee for approval. And meanwhile, he's shaking down guys who are looking for that money. Oh, you want some TIF money? All right, come here, big guy. I have a, uh, <laughs> I got my little property tax appeal business over there. One of his clients, of course, uh, Ed Burke. Uh, excuse me, uh, Donnie Trump. The Solis and that headline is Danny Solis, who was the chair of the zoning committee. Rahm Emanuel looked out at all the aldermen in the city council and said, who is the best suited to be the chair of the all-powerful zoning committee, which approves all development deals in the city of Chicago when they need zoning changes? I know Danny Solis. Turns out Danny Solis had done something wrong. We still don't know what. As a result, to uh, by the good graces of the federal government, he's wearing a wire. And he went and secured evidence uh, that Ed Burke was up to no good in private conversations with they said all kind of like gangster exchanges that like corrupt politicians say when they think no one's watching. And now Burke's about to stand trial. Uh, and uh, apparently the feds, I don't know, they're cutting some kind of deal with Danny Solis where they're not going to make him testify. <laughs> I guess Danny bowed to them, did enough good work for them, gathering evidence against both Ed Burke and Michael Madigan, that he won't have to testify. That's your government, Chicago. That's that. That's the people that you entrusted with the city uh, from 1989 till, well, I guess, really until Lori Lightfoot was elected. All right. Without further ado, I'm going to ask my distinguished guest, who's very patiently uh, sitting through that history lesson, uh, to introduce himself, and uh, we will have a conversation. Distinguished guest, go. Thank you, Ben. Uh, appreciate being on your show. I'm excited. It's the first time guest on your show, and I appreciate that history lesson. I think it's quite relevant to the conversation uh, I think we're going to have today. Uh, let me introduce myself. I'm Michael Rabbit. Um, I live in the far northwest side of Chicago in the Edgebrook neighborhood. I've lived there for 23 years with my wife, Sarah, and our two children. Um, have been uh, very much involved in uh, the community here for, for many years, uh, doing uh, organizing work around uh, racial justice, uh, affordable housing, um, been involved in a number of different issue campaigns over the years, um, including um, the fair tax, uh, some issues on the Cook County Board that I've worked on around housing. Um, For my day job, I work at uh, Argonne National Laboratory. Uh, I run a team that does operational improvement work, uh, leads change initiatives. Um, And then, uh, you know, more recently, um, you know, always looking to make a greater impact in the community. and my, as a result of, uh, of some of the positive impact I was having uh, in, in organizing, um, I decided it was time to step up and run for office. So uh, in 2022, um, uh, well, actually in 2021, I announced I was running for state representative of the 15th district. Um, about a month or so after I announced, John D'Amico, who is the incumbent, longtime incumbent in that seat, he resigned. Uh, he appointed his uh, childhood buddy, uh, and campaign worker um, like Kelly into that seat, um, kind of continued the 50-year dynasty of family control over the 39th Ward in the 15th House District. Um, I stayed in the race, um, ran a really strong race, uh, was really proud of our race. We ended up coming very close to winning despite being outspent four to one, uh, being outspent by $300,000. Um, I still came within 567 votes of making history and, and, and defeating the, the machine uh, that had uh, controlled this part of the district for such a long time. So it was 52-48 um, and was really encouraged by that showing, uh, showing that a grassroots movement candidate can make a difference and can do well in this part of the city. Um, so after that race, I gave a lot of thought to my future and um, 
lo and behold, it turned out that uh, Alderman Jim Gardner, who also holds the committee person's role in the 45th Ward, um, he was running unopposed. Um, he had taken that seat in 2020 after being elected alderman in, 20, in 2019. And uh, I realized that this week somebody had to step up and challenge him. Uh, and uh, I decided to run for committee person. Um, and as you know, committee person is very much under the radar. Uh, historically, it's been held by a lot of older folks, aldermen, um, and you know some other elected officials. Uh, it's pretty rare to have somebody who doesn't have that job, although there's a few. Um, it's 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 under the radar, but it's a really important job, as you know. Like so, you you run a ward organization for the Democratic Party. You're on various Cook County Democratic committees. Although Jim Gardner's been kicked off those committees, we could talk about that later. Um, you know, it's responsible for recruiting good Democratic candidates to run for office. Uh, very important power, of course, as you know, is uh, appointments. When there's a vacancy in the legislature or Cook County Board, the committee people vote on that replacement. Um, you know, driving, voter turnout, registration, these are all things that the committee person does. All right, let me just inter- uh, interrupt you for this moment because we're getting to the, we're going to go into this, uh, what the committeeman does. This is important, people. So just a little, one more little lesson here. This is a Democratic Party position, committeeman. This is a member of the Democratic Party. As such, the authority or the power uh, that the committee person has is in the Democratic Party. So this is not an elected position in state government or city government. This is an important point. A lot of uh, a lot of people don't understand this distinction. This is a party position. You can only vote. When Michael Rabbit ran for state rep, ladies and gentlemen, uh, he ran in a Democratic primary, so you had to get the uh, take a Democratic ballot to vote for him. But had he won, he'd have gone into a general election. And everybody, Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, Greens, could have voted for him. This is a party position. Just want to get that. And as such, it's about reconstituting the Democratic Party. What direction do you want to take the Democratic Party? Do you want to take the Democratic Party in the direction of Ed Burke and Danny Solis, just as two examples? Both of them were committeemen for many, many years, Michael Rabbit. Uh, or do you want to take the party in the direction of, well, I don't know. Let's ask uh, Michael Rabbit. So you want to be the Democratic committeeman of the 45th Ward, which is on the northwest side of the sh- Chicago, Jefferson Park. People think you're taking the train. All right. little geography lesson. You're going northwest to O'Hare. You know that airport where you fly in and out? That's the northwest side of Chicago. Uh, Michael, what direction do you want to take the Democratic Party in uh, on the um, in the 45th Ward? Well, the first thing is we need to give folks a Democratic, uh, give a voice in the Democratic Party. So Jim Gardner is a fake Democrat, Republican voting record uh, aligned with MAGA, contributions from Willie Wilson, and he's never done the job. Right. So three and a half years, you know, you and I, like we get a job and we don't do our job for, or don't show up for a couple of weeks a month. We get fired. Um, in this case, it's going to take the voters to fire him. The Cook County Dems stripped him of all his uh, committee posts because of uh, the uh, text messages filled with hate speech. So they took it as far as they could. But number one, I'm going to give people a voice in the Democratic Party because they have no voice because Jim Gardner is a ghost committee person. He doesn't do the job, has no website, doesn't recruit candidates, um, literally does nothing in the job. So that's a pretty low bar, right? Just to start off, I'm going to give people that voice that they've been missing for three and a half years. And we're going to build a highly engaged, active, visible 
Democratic Ward organization. I've got a long history of organizing, of building new organizations, and even in my professional career, I've done a lot of work in building startups. So we're going to build a new organization, and the direction I'm going to take it in is going to be very diverse. We're going to have a diverse organization. It's going to be inclusive. We're going to bring in people from all parts of the ward. As you said, there's a lot of different neighborhoods, Edgebrook, Wildwood, Jefferson Park, Gladstone Park, Portage Park, um, uh, Independence Park. So we're going to you know, build a strong base. I'm a coalition builder and I want to bring in everybody, give them a voice. Um, and I want, it, it, you know, I mentioned the, like the, the things that the committee person role does, like the main parts of the job. But, you know, I'd like to reimagine the role. I think there's a lot more that could be done with it to focus on issue campaigns. Like I said, I hosted forums back in 2020 on the fair tax because I was very passionate about that issue and I wasn't seeing the leadership that I thought we needed uh, in my word for it. And so, um, you know, we need to have other types of community forums. I want to hold quarterly community forums, whether it's for people to meet candidates who are running for office, whether it's about important issues that voters need to be informed in. Um, and I think we also need to take it in, in a more independent direction, right? I mean, we've you mentioned the people who have been committee people in the past. And I think that, you know, there's been a lot of ties to people who have been longtime older persons or people who have been part of the machine politics. Uh, and I want to take it in a different direction. All right. Now, ideologically, uh, you also want to take it in a different direction. And let's just uh, talk a little bit about your opponent, uh, Jim Gardner, who is uh, also the alderman, uh, the 45th Ward. Uh, and uh, to put it mildly, he's one of the more conservative uh, aldermen in the Chicago City Council. Uh, I would say he's part of a coalition uh, with Napolitano from the 40, uh, uh, just uh, up the road in the 41st Ward and uh, my old friend Nick Spazzato. Uh, that's sort of the um, uh, very close to Johnny Catanzara and the Fraternal Order Police, uh, that coalition of Alderman in this particular case from the Northwest side. He was on the ropes, uh, Michael, as you alluded to, in the, his last Aldermanic run uh, because of a series of con- contentious emails or texts that he had sent uh, that were very uh, derogatory about women uh, in uh, Lori Lightfoot's administration. Uh, And uh, I personally would have put money on him not winning re-election, but once again, I would have been wrong. He won. And to me, that sent a message uh, about where the voters are in the uh, 45th Ward, and that is they are loyal to Jim Gardner, they like his MAGA politics. They don't care what texts he sends. Uh, they're almost as loyal to Gardner as MAGA voters in this country are at loyal to Donald Trump. Do you agree with my assessment? And if not, vigorously counterattack it. Go. Well, Ben, the, a lot of the voters you described are folks who take Republican ballots. And keep, keep in mind, this is different than the automatic race. This is this is a partisan election, as you stated earlier. Democrats are going to be taking uh, taking ballots here. And obviously, there's some Republicans who take Democratic ballots, but hopefully they'll be, you know, taking that Republican ballot so they can vote for their favorite Republican, Donald Trump, DeSantis, whoever. Right. So, you know, we've got some really uh, strong opinionated Democrats in this ward. And, you know, they recognize the Gardner scandals. Um, and, you know, even if somebody says, OK, well, you know, I haven't seen any proof or, you know, he hasn't been convicted or everybody in Chicago is corrupt. Again, Democrats should care about the fact that the guy's not even doing the job that he ran for. He's trying to conflate the two. He tries to conflate the alderman's job with the committee person's job. And because 
people don't understand what a committee person does. They may fall for that. But I think I'm going to take this to the Democratic voters of the 45th Ward, who I think realize that they've got a champion who's been fighting for the issues that Democrats care about. So Democrats are going to be going to vote and they want to be able to vote for somebody who's going to fight for reproductive rights, who's going to want to fight for expanding health care access, who's going to fight for, uh, you know, affordable housing and um, environmental justice. Like all these are the things that Democrats are passionate about. And I'm going to turn those Democrats out to vote in a way that I don't think happened in the last race. And keep in mind, there were, you know, like five different candidates there splitting up the vote. I mean, at this point, it's me and Jim Gardner, and I feel like I've done a good job pretty so, so far of uniting a lot of folks uh, behind a candidate that has viability and, and strength and has a lot of people power. Now, when you say there were five candidates splitting up the vote, you're talking about the aldermanic election in the first round. Uh, th- then you get into a runoff, it's one-on-one, uh, and Gardner was victorious in that uh, runoff one-on-one. Uh, but your point's well taken on that first matter. This is very important. This will be Democrats voting. You have to take a Democratic ballot when you go into a, uh, a primary season. And and you're absolutely correct, Mike, Michael. In March of 2024, uh, you'll have an opportunity to have a Republican ballot or a Democratic ballot, maybe even a Green Party ballot. I don't know if I'll have a slate or Libertarian. I don't know if I'll have a slate. But the point is, when you walk in, the uh, folks at the, uh, the election office will say, which party do you want to vote for? So you say Democrat, you say Republican, and you're right. Donald Trump, the glorious leader of the glorious MAGA movement, is running. Uh, even if he's in, he could be in the middle of a trial or two trials, uh, Michael Rabbit, but he still will be on the ballot uh, running against uh, Ron DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy. So Jim Gardner's base uh, will be uh, really tempted. Think about this, Michael. If you're a gardener lover in the 45th Ward, every day you wake up and you go, I love the fact that our Democratic committeeman is Jim Gardner. But you probably also wake up saying, I love the fact that Donnie Trump is on the ballot. What an existential crisis you're going to face, Michael Rabbit. In March of 2024, you're going to go, that person will sit there and they'll go, do you want to take the ballot for Republican or do you want to take the ballot for Democrat. And you have to think, who do I love more, Donnie Trump or Jim Gardner? Trump, Gardner, Gardner, Trump. Man, that little bag of brain is going to explode. Michael, and here's go. the thing, Ben. I, I'm glad you brought up the Trump thing because keeping track of the Gardner scandals is like trying to keep track of all the the Trump trials, right? So like for the Trump thing, like, oh my God, there's the federal thing versus the state thing. There's New York, Georgia, there's January 6th. And like, you need a scorecard to keep track of it all, right? And so it's the same thing with, with Gardner. It's you need a scorecard to keep track of all of all the scandals and ethics challenges. I mean, you know, there's the order of protection for stalking his girlfriend. There's the text messages filled with hate speech that we talked about. There's the FBI investigation for alleged bribery and pay to play. There's the ethics board uh, violations. There's like three of those that they're looking at. I think they're getting ready to rule on the first one on, on Monday, the 11th. So we'll see what that penalty is going to be. But that involves, you know, harassing campaign volunteers and retaliating against constituents. And you got at least a couple lawsuits out there for blocking people on social media and harassing uh, constituents. So I like I'm glad you brought that comparison up because they're going to have to decide, do I want to support, you know, vote for Donald Trump, who's got all these trials going on or do I want to vote for uh, 
ethically and morally challenged uh, Jim Jim Gardner on the uh, on the Democratic side. So at least you know whether you're going to support the fake Democrat or not. Uh, my guess is, Gardner, uh, we were wrong last time, Ben. Uh, but my guess is is that most of them are going to want to go for Donnie. That's where the action is. The action in March uh, for for Republican voters, no doubt about it. But Republican leaning voters, the action will be the Republican primary. And that, one thing I'll point out, so yeah. and that's that explains why Gardner won very narrowly for committee person in 2000, or 2020. A lot of people don't realize that uh, a candidate named Ellen Hill lost by only 300 votes. Uh, now, the ward map was different, right? They remapped the ward to make it a little bit more favorable to Gardner this time. However, you know, they added Edgebrook and Wildwood here on the uh, north of Devon to help Gardner. Um, and yet that's that's my base. Like, that's where I live. I got 58% of the vote against Mike Kelly up here in, in 2022. So, you know, he was counting on this being a strong vote for him. And, uh, you know, I think I'm going to be able to neutralize that quite effectively. Well, I generally make fun of uh, Democrats uh, because uh, they're not as tactical as Republicans uh, and um, they don't play hardball uh, and Republicans, they think that the game is legit. And so they're always a little surprised when Republicans uh, cheat, and change the rules in the middle of the game, move the goalposts. But I would, I'm going to give a little shout out to Dems out in your neck of the woods. Uh, you're a little savvier in my humble opinion than your average democrat and uh i watch you guys for your john arena somehow or other got elected alderman uh by a handful of votes uh, over uh, johnny garrido a couple two very contentious elections and then he lost to gardner and largely on a lot of issues local housing issues and because he had been in himself involved in some contentious battles uh, with locals on these housing issues uh and so that was like a resurgence for the conservative MAGA forces in that area. Uh, but I don't underestimate your ability. Like, like people like, who are connected sort of like to Rob Martwick's organization and out in that neck of the woods, you are a little savvier when it comes to counting votes, tallying up your pluses, uh, knowing who the negative votes are, and understanding the precincts. I mean, I, I do have respect for the uh, more uh, liberal, if you will, Democrats up uh, in your neck of the woods. You do understand how to play the game. Because you think about what you guys have been up against for all these years. Traditionally speaking, in this neck of the woods, it's been a combine of right-wing Democrats and Republicans joined together. That's who formed the backbone of all those organizations, the, the 45th Ward regular Democrats, the Lions, you know, and uh, uh, for years and years, they would elect either Republicans or Democrats. It didn't matter. Most of them were anti-choice. So I give you credit, Democrats. I don't lump the Democrats at the 45th Ward with like your sort of lakefront liberal Democrats who are always nervous and afraid to go engage the opposition. I think you're a little smarter uh, and you understand the game a little better. That said, are you ready to go into this uh do you have your volunteers? Do you have your precincts uh, set up? Talk about your preparation, Michael. Go. Yeah. So, I mean, we ran a very well-organized campaign for state rep, uh, used data to, to drive a lot of our uh, canvassing and uh, had a lot of volunteers. And so a lot of those folks uh, are coming back to join me for, for this race. Um, so we've got a really strong ground game organized, already been out getting petitions. We've got a, uh, a group canvassing event uh, on Saturday, Saturday morning, 10 a.m., 
check it out on my Facebook page. Um, and uh, we're going to be out, you know, every weekend and out during the week. And, um, you know, it's going to be a people powered campaign. And I've made, you know, a lot of, I've got a broad network, not only within the ward, but, you know, across the Northwest side and throughout Chicago because of the organizing work I've done uh, and the coalition building I've done and the connections I've made. And, you know, I'm really encouraged that those folks are going to come out because they see what's at stake here, right? We've got a, you know, a morally and ethically challenged uh, incumbent who uh, doesn't do the job of Democratic committee person. It's a fake Democrat, um, you know, has been banned from all the committees. So, you know, we're going to run a race to say, hey, let's put the committee back in committee person, right? Um, and like I said, you know, in terms of like, you know, how we're going to run this, um, you know, I've got a, a good base, you know, where I live here in, in the Edgebrook Wildwood area. People, um, you know, respect the work I've done um, in the community for many years. And then we've got a lot of folks, you know, in the southern part of the uh, and central parts of the ward who uh, are hungry for change. You know, they and, and they recognize they respect the work I've done. And, um, you know, I've got a little bit more work to do to get to become known uh, south of Devon in, in the ward. But I think, I'm, you know, we've got a good a good game plan to make that happen. Uh, are politicians from outside the ward going to get involved one way or the other? Have you got any indication on that front? Uh, not yet. I mean, I'm gradually reaching out to, to folks and, 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 and trying to get as much support as I can. Um, I think, you know, as you can imagine, Jim Gardner's not really well liked on city council. Um, and so, and I think people realize that he's not an authentic Democrat like I am. So, you know, I'm confident, you know, as it's early, right? So, but I think as, as this campaign goes on, I think more and more people are going to come on board and realize that this is a unique opportunity to, uh, to make a historic change here. And, uh, and, and like you said, you know, this is, this has been historically a tough, tough territory for, for Democrats, but um, you know, I think change is taking place, right? I think uh, you know, movement candidates are, are doing are doing better all the time, and um, you know, I think people in this in this part of the city are hungry for a new a new brand of politics. I'm trying to figure the opposition campaign that run against you. If this was a uh, a general election where Republicans got to participate as well, I could just very well see it. They would uh, label you. Well, just the fact that you're on this show, they would turn you into this like a radical leftist, uh, like you were Ben Jarofsky yourself, uh, and uh, sh- shut it a thought. Huh? Uh, and um, but it's a Democratic <laughs> committeeman's race, so it's really I don't know. They can't really use Pritzker to vilify. You know what I'm saying? That's how they would generally do it. If it was, they would vil- they run against put, try to put Pritzker's uh, uh, face on your your body, that kind of thing. Uh, Bernie Sanders, I guess the, the radical, the, the maybe AOC and Bernie Sanders. I'm just trying to think what they would link you to uh, to try to under undercut you. Uh, and I'm not seeing it. Um, crime, I guess. Uh, but this is, again, a party position. Uh, so um, why don't you talk a little bit about your political uh, ideological leanings so that at least folks can hear it from Michael, where he's coming from, uh, ideologically speaking, the Democratic Party, uh, so that when uh, that you'll know what uh, what he stands for and not what the other side says he stands for. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I feel like I'm a very authentic candidate. Like, I'm not afraid to, you know, speak off of what I believe in and what I and, and, and the issues that are important to me. And I think they're very much aligned with uh, 
the Democratic Party in Chicago, Cook County, and 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 the state of Illinois. Um, so you know, I'm not big on labels, but I definitely you know I think I'm uh, uh, progressive. Uh, you know, I believe in uh, things like fighting for affordable housing, which is a lot of the community work I've done. Um, you know, uh, fully funded public schools. Uh, I've you know done organizing work to, to, to against the vouchers that have crept into Illinois that that are still exist. Um, fighting to for environmental justice. You know, I was very proud to have been uh, endorsed by Sierra Club uh, in the last election. I was endorsed by the largest teachers union in the state, IEA. Um, you know, for my strong uh, commitment to public education. Um, I. Uh, you know, very much a believer in safe communities, right? And and how do we, you know, address the root causes of violence? How do we improve um, your relationships with, with communities? Um, and so, you know, those are some of the things that, you know, I, I, I strongly believe in. And those are things that I think Democrats uh, are all about. And, and, you know, we need, we need somebody in this committee person's role who's willing to you know, not only do the minimum of the committee thing, you know, go to slating and make those votes or whatever, but like, how are we fighting for the issues? How do we rally the Democrats in the 45th ward behind those issues? And, um, I, you know, hopefully that, that helps you tell, tell a little bit of the story about what I believe in. So uh, we'll close by thinking about what happens if you win. So if you're a victorious uh, and uh, you become the, uh, uh, the committeeman or the committee person of the 45th ward. You're looking now at November, 2024, uh, repeat Biden versus Trump. That's my guess. Biden versus Trump. Uh, it doesn't matter if Trump's on trial. doesn't matter if Trump's in prison. doesn't matter. MAG is voting for him. They love him. They've made that clear. So, um, what are you going to do as the committeeman to uh, help bring out the vote for Joe Biden against MAGA and Trump? Yeah, that'll be priority number one for me. So, you know, once I get an uh, organization built and we get organized, uh, then we're going to rally folks to do what's necessary to, to to get Biden across the finish line. I think, you know, we learned a lesson, obviously, in 2016. You know, people uh, took it for granted. Uh, and then I think we saw in 2020, a lot of Democrats across the country really did get organized and they went to the state. You know, people here went, got on buses and went to you know, Wisconsin and, and, and Michigan, uh, you know, to make sure that, that Biden won those states. And that's what we're going to have to do again. Um, and, you know, the other thing I'll add here is another story about Jim Gardner in 2020. You know, he was committee person by the time that November election rolled around. And if you called his office and asked for a Biden yard sign, you wouldn't get it. Like he would answer the phone and pretend it wasn't him, or he'd say it was somebody else, or he'd hang up on them. And like, you could not, you know, he failed to support Democratic President Joe Biden in his first year as Democratic committee person. I mean, like, if that's not a reason to fire the guy from this job, I don't know what is. But uh, that is, you know, when I'm committee person, we are going to have a very strong organized effort uh, for the Democratic nominee for president. Wait a minute. I, before we go, I just have to clarify something. You telling me he would say it wasn't him? <laughs> like that old gag. Hello, is Ben there? Uh, who's calling? Ben's not here. <laughs> he yes. did that. He actually yes. did that. I talked to three people who 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 experienced that with him. Come on, Gardner. <laughs> that is pathetic, man. That reminds me that one time I I called a, a state rep, uh, Derek Smith, 
I and uh, <laughs> so um, he answered his cell phone, and he was stunned that I got his cell phone number. And uh, he goes, uh, "Ben, I'm right in the middle of something. Let me call you right back, okay? And I'll call you right back just as soon as I get out of this, this, this wherever I am, this meeting I'm in or whatever. I'll call you back in about a minute." Well, that was three years ago, I think, or five years ago. I still haven't heard back from him. But that's still not as bad as guy. Oh, sorry, uh, Jim Gardner's not here right now. Uh, that's exactly what happened, Ben. Come on, man. Just take the phone call. <laughs> uh, 45th Ward. What a piece of work you are, okay? <laughs> 45th Ward. Um, all right, well, uh, Michael, any, before I let you go, any, uh, like, uh, Information you want to give folks, so they can get a hold of you if they want to uh, reach out to your campaign. Go ahead. Thank you, Ben. Um, so I'll start with the website, Michael P. Rabbit. So middle initial P is in Patrick. Rabbit with two Bs and two Ts. MichaelPRabbit.com. Also, uh, we're having our campaign launch and fundraiser on Tuesday, September uh, 19th at uh, Windsor Bar and Tavern, uh, 4530 Milwaukee, 630 p.m., um, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I did forget to show this to you, Ben. Oh my God. All right. <laughs> oh my God. That, I'm okay, showing people, uh, people don't, you know, they can't see this, uh, a spirits of St. Louis, yeah. uh, t-shirt, the old ABA, we were talking hoops and you, since you've got your bulls cap on, I figured I'd have to throw the spirits of St. Louis thing up. I always wear my Bulls uh, cap. I'm a diehard uh, Chicago Bulls fan. Love the Bulls. Go Bulls. Season ticket holder. Uh, when we were preparing for this conversation, uh, Michael said he was a sports fan. And I didn't really believe him. You know, I don't know. I just like, oh, yeah, you know, you really a sports fan? And I was throwing one question at him after another, ladies and gentlemen, testing him. And he got them all right. And then he took the deep dive on me. Turns out he's from St. Louis. Uh, uh, so I really won't hold that against him. Uh, and um, he was a diehard fan of the ABA, which was a professional basketball league before the NBA. Well, it, the ABA coexisted with the NBA. It was swallowed up by uh, the um, the NBA in the 70s. And, yeah, man, there's some great history. Marvin Barnes, well, what a character. Uh, Bob Costas was the play-by-play announcer. I could go on and on. It's supposed to be a political talk show, not sports, but yes. So you want me over a little bit with that ABA thing. I love the ABA and um, pretty cool that you got a, a, a Marvin Barnes t-shirt. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let's see, let's see how well he knows his Marvin Barnes trivia. What college Michael Rabbit did Marvin Barnes graduate from? Whoa, pretty. <laughs> That's kind of easy. Actually, I don't know if he graduated. So that, as soon as I asked the question, I go, uh-oh, I may have asked it wrong. Did you ever hear the Marvin Barnes story about going in the time machine? No, oh, I don't think so. Wow. you got There's all kinds of stories. Of course, you got to watch the ESPN 30 for 30 called Free Spirits. Did I have not see seen that yet. Okay, because it tells the whole story about what we talked about, where the NBA had to buy out the settlement and and stuff about Bob Costas starting his career there. And, but yeah, apparently the story was Marvin Barnes. They were taking a flight from like St. Louis to Louisville. And because they were changing time zones, you were getting in like I left St. Louis at like six o'clock and we're getting in at Louisville at like five forty-five. And he looked at the screen and saw that those times, and he's like, I'm not getting on that flight. I'm not going into a time, time machine. <laughs> Take me back. In I time. don't believe that story. 
Is it true? I don't believe it. I, uh, which story do I believe more? That one or Gardner picking up the phone going, uh, Jim Gardner's not here. <laughs> All right. The Gardner one. Yeah, we know that one. So let's go with that That's one. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Jim Gardner's not here today. Uh, <laughs> Uh, what a ward, 45th ward. That's your ultimate. All right. Thank you very much, uh, Michael Rabbit. Appreciate it. That's uh, Michael Rabbit. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody. 